When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are wrapping up our position reviews with the defensive backs. So Mary Kay, Cabot, Scott Pasco, Dougley, Maurice, and I talk cornerbacks and safeties today on our podcast. Uh, we get into how the safety room might look next year, uh, what's next for Denzel Ward, and how much can he make, all sorts of stuff here coming up on the pod. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, head to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get all your info, and get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go, our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We continue working through the Browns' positions. This is pretty much it here. We're talking defensive backs, so corners and safeties. Uh, before we get started, I just asked our Football Insider subscribers probably about half an hour, 45 minutes ago, with their thoughts to rate the defensive backs on a scale of one to 10, when it comes to confidence level, uh, 10 being the most confident. And so far early on, and I think this is going to continue, it is an eight and a lot of nines. So a very confident group, our football insider subscribers and these defensive backs, and with good reason, um, very stable at corner. Let's just start here because John Johnson was the big signing here last year and one of Andrew Berry's biggest signings. And I just want to start with him. And I want to start by asking this. Where do you think John Johnson ranks among Andrew Barry's biggest signings so far? So we're talking Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin. I put Jadavian Clowney on that list. Am I missing? I'm missing somebody here um, as far as big names that he's signed. Where do you think John Johnson kind of fits in those early big signings that Andrew Barry has made? Mary Kay, what do you think? You know what? I, I think he's right up there, and I think the best is yet to come uh, for John Johnson. I think they floundered a little bit with him early on last season and trying to figure out what his role was. He was playing deep all the time. He stated several times he did not feel super comfortable doing that. Uh, he, he wanted to move around more and utilize his versatile skill set a little bit more. Once they figured him out, he had a really nice last part of the season I think uh, his rankings went sky high uh, in the last like five games or so compared to what they were in the first part of the season so uh, I think the best is yet to come from from John Johnson and uh, I think he's going to play a a much bigger role next season right from the start I think that will help and I think one of the ways in which it will manifest itself will be in uh, those game-changing plays some more of the takeaways uh, and, and, you know, just some more of uh, maybe even scoring on defense a little bit. Uh, I, I think that there's tremendous upside for him here. Yeah, I, I mean, I put Jack Conklin at the top of that list, um, but I put John Johnson second. I think a lot of it has to do with the, the fact that they signed him, you know, for more than one year. A lot of these signings that Barry's done, especially on defense, have been one-year deals, and they made it more of a commitment to John Johnson. And uh, like Mary Kay said, I think he – they kind of, I think, figured out how he could work best in this defense over the second half of the season. I think 
Ronnie Harrison not playing as big of a role over the second half of the season maybe had something to do with it. Um, he seemed to, to play better when Grant Delpit got more opportunities. Uh, there were some other guys who rotated in, some other guys at corner maybe being healthy um, and just or coming off the bench and playing well. And I think that all kind of fed into John Johnson. Um, but I do think he's, he's probably the, the second best signing that Barry's made because it's more of a, it's not just a one year, let's see what we got type of deal. It's, it's a longer term thing. You're not worried about the back of your defense this off season, you know, um, even with a couple guys at safety who were heading towards free agency. Uh, I think you feel good about uh, what you have back there and it, it starts with him. I do agree that the best is yet to come with him. It was a, a solid first year, better in the second half of the first year. But in the context, the best thing about John Johnson III is that it got Carl Joseph and Andrews Adejo off the field. <laughs> so let us not – I mean, we have to – it's like, oh, well, it, let's compare him to the guys who played safety the year before who were terrible at football. So that alone, that is a huge step up for that team. And that, and that it is not even the best of what we expect from him, I think is, is a very good sign. You know, the other thing real quick about John Johnson is the fact that I think what he's going to bring to the table from a leadership standpoint in his second season uh, is going to be almost as important as what he does on the football field. Now we expected him to be a leader and he is that on the field uh, even now uh, and, and just in terms of green sticker and, and whatnot. Uh, but I think off the field, he's going to play an even bigger role. And you could kind of see that in his wrap-up press conference when he just came out publicly and stated that we need more unity between the offense and the defense. I mean, that's a big statement to make after your very first season in a Cleveland Browns uniform, that there was some kind of a little bit of a disconnect there and we need to fix it. So I thought that was huge. Uh, and, you know, just in terms of even talking about hey, look, we need to, to have a better relationship with the training staff. We need more communication. We can't be having all these soft tissue injuries. We need to do yoga. Uh, I think that, that he's going to step up as more of a vocal leader now that he has the lay of the land and, and he understands how it all fits together. So I think that's going to be big. Yeah, I, I thought bringing in Johnson was, was sort of like, you know, Scott, you mentioned the multi-year thing. You know, we've talked about Andrew Barry as like the fixer. You know, he goes out and he sees problems and he fixes them. And an opportunity to bring in a guy like John Johnson to shore up the back of that defense, give you a guy that's going to fill that leadership void. And we talked about this with the linebackers, right? Now that you have John Johnson, you maybe don't need to go sign a middle linebacker who's going to be on the field 100% of the time. You know, you can have a guy, you know, you can work those guys in a little bit. You can have JOK on the field. You know, your green sticker guy, Man, we're talking too much about the green sticker again. But your green sticker guy is now your, probably your starting safety. He'll be out there every snap, so it gives you flexibility at linebacker. I, I thought it was a very important signing for this defense. And I also thought, too, it sent a message that this team does value the safety position a lot, um, you know, because they're putting a lot of money behind it. And, and there were other ways they could have gone. But it's, this is clearly, Scott, one of the positions when we talk about positional value that they really take seriously. Yeah, and by the way, we need to watch out with Green Sticker. I've 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 heard from our Football Insider <laughs> subscribers. There's a drinking game involving our use of PFF, so I, it might switch to Green Sticker. We're, we <laughs> use it so much, I don't know. So we got to be careful. Well, um, maybe we should maybe we should play the drinking game 
while we're doing the pot. I mean, you know, that could change the game a little. Yeah. Best pod ever. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I think that when you look at what they did this past off season and really since Andrew Barry showed up and, and uh, the way that Joe Woods runs his defense coverage is obviously a big deal. And I've made the argument before that it's more important than pass rush. And um, there's a lot of, analytics that bear that out uh, just from a scheme standpoint and from a, uh, a singular player standpoint and how much impact those players have on the game right now. So uh, the fact that they have that shored up and really, I mean, again, outside of Harrison and Stewart, your defensive backfield looks really good right now. You could easily bring both those guys back um, and kind of have the same crew, but they're in a really good place uh, at the back end. And again, a lot of it has to do with the fact that that isn't an area where you have a lot of those one-year contracts right now. Oh, go ahead, Mary Kate. Uh, I, I was just going to say that I, I think uh, the tight end having such a, an increasingly large role in the NFL makes this safety position so vitally important. And uh, you know, and I think that uh, that trend is going to continue. I think the uh, yeah, I just think that that tight ends are going to be. Uh, huge going forward in, in the passing game. And so I think it just helps to have uh, guys like that, like jo- that, you know, John Johnson and the safeties that can be versatile enough to cover these tight ends going over the middle and going deep. And, and I just think that's why it's great to have the, the great safeties that they do. So this is, I guess this is more of a grand Delpit question than anything, but I'm, you know, Ronnie Harrison, probably not going to be back. I would imagine if he were, it would be in a reduced role. Uh, you know, MJ Stewart, we're going to talk a little bit about him later. He's kind of a safe, he's a safety, but also a corner. He does a lot of different things. He's the other free agent in this group. Grant Delpit, probably your starting safety alongside John Johnson next year. So how do we feel about this safety room right now? If those two are your starting safeties, you've also got Richard LeCount going into year two. We feel good about the the makeup of this entire safety room right now. Yeah, because Andrew Zendejo's gone. <laughs> so, I, like, there's an overall thing that I that I was thinking about with the defensive backs, but it applies here to the safeties. Like, are they putting bad players on the field anymore? I don't, I don't like, think and, so. I think in this discussion, like, they're not, and they made the playoffs putting bad players on the field at safety. And it was like, what are they going to do? They're playing bad players a lot. Andrews and Deho played 918 snaps in 2020. Carl Joseph played 660 snaps in 2020. They both graded out under 53 for the year in PFF. They were bad at football. And like, that's not the conversation we're having. So from that, moving from that to this, it's like, well, could Delpic? And, and then I think they're solid at the very least in this safety room, right? at the very least, with upside. Because I think we've seen the upside of Johnson. Johnson was better as a Ram, I think, than he was as a Brown this last year, which means we think he can do even more. And Delpit, now if you're if you're fully, fully, fully healthy and you get more experience in the league, I think the safeties are good and getting better, and that's a good room. Yeah, I think that um, – I think JJ3 and, and Grant as two starting safeties, I, I think that's a really, really good combo. And I do think that both of them have the potential to be better next year. I mean, sometimes you forget that that was Grant's rookie year, basically. But, you know, that's what it was. And, um, and he didn't really practice much at all 
during training camp. I mean, he barely practiced during training camp. And so with a full off season of him being healthy now, uh, I, I think the upside for him is going to be really great. And he's got all that playing time under his belt now. Uh, so I think the future looks bright for him at the position. And once again, just like I said, with John Johnson three, I think there are more turnovers to come, more big plays, more impact plays to come from Grant Delpit. You can do a lot of different things with him. They had so many things planned for him uh, before he suffered his injury. And I think a lot of those are still out there for him on the table. I like that combo of those, of those two guys. Think about where this group was last year. You had Greedy and Grant Delpit coming off injuries where they, where they missed the season. You had our rookie and Greg Newsom. You're not really sure what you were going to have there or how long it might take him to, to kind of get up to speed. And then you had, you know, new guys you know, like Troy Hill and John Johnson kind of finding their, you know, figuring out this new, new defense and, and how they're going to fit into it. And it, now you're going into 2022 with experience across the board. You don't have anybody coming off a serious injury like that. Um, so it's just a group that's in a much better position. I thought Grant Delpit was, I mean, he made some plays this year, right? I mean, we saw him get in the box and make some plays. Another thing we talked about last year a lot, uh, aside from the green sticker, which, by the way, speaking of making that drinking game, there has to be some sort of, like, vodka or something. It's called, like, green sticker vodka, right? Or sure. We'll find it. Bourbon, something like that. If not, we got we to gotta make that. It's the orange and brown. We're, take, we're undertaking that project on the orange and brown talk, if that's not taken yet. We talked a lot about the three safety look and, and how the Browns might deploy that. Injuries kind of got in the way of, of maybe fully using that. And of course, you had Grant Delpit, who, you know, like you said, Mary Kay, kind of in his rookie year. Is there still more to explore there for Joe Woods when it comes to using these three safeties? And, and when we did see it, and Scott, I don't know if you've done much work on how often it was on the field or not, but when we did see it, did it kind of live up to what we thought it could be? I think it did for the most part. Um... But as we have mentioned earlier on this pod, I think that they had a little bit of higher hopes for Ronnie Harrison and what he was going to be able to do this season. And I don't think he really uh, took that jump or lived up to what they hoped he would be this year. So I think that I kind of agree with you, Dan. I, I don't know that he's going to be back. Um, uh, that's one to, to kind of have to wonder about a little bit. So they're going to have to hope that maybe Richard can take that step up into his second season. Uh, again, we'll talk a little bit more about MJ, but MJ Stewart is somebody that might be able to fulfill that role. Uh, but I think that they will use the three safety look a lot. And I think they've got a good foundation for it with Grant and JJ. Then they have to just sort of fill in their third spot. But I think that, um, that it will be everything they need it to be. And I think they'll expand it and maybe blitz out of it more and, and do some different things with it but it's here to stay and grow. I think you're, I, I don't, I, I don't have anything that, that shows exactly how often they, they were on the field together. And we did see it a little bit. Some of it, again, you know, had to do with Harrison not being able to stay on the field as much as, as they maybe had hoped and not play as well as maybe they had hoped, but you also have to have the right linebacker in that situation too, because if you have three safeties on the field, um, you're, you're still going to be in situations where you have three corners, you know, Troy Hill is going to be out there. So who's that linebacker? And it took JOK a little while. I, I don't know if they were really comfortable with having him be that guy all the time. We saw Anthony Walker be that guy sometime. I think Malcolm Smith, uh, when Walker was out, uh, was that guy a little bit, but um, 
I think with JOK making it through this year and seeing him really kind of kind of grab onto one of those starting roles and be that three down guy going into 2022, you could see it more because if you have that guy in the middle, like him, who's able to do so many different things that gives you a little more flexibility on how you want to use your safeties. You know, if you move John Johnson up into, into the, uh, into the box, you know, you still have JOK there who's able to play well against the run. And even if you have Troy Hill out there, he was probably their best run defender as a defensive back this season. Um, Again, it gives you a little more possibilities, but I think the key to that working right is, is JOK a linebacker. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk cornerbacks. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Time to talk a little bit of cornerbacks, and we're going to talk MJ Stewart as well. Again, I don't know exactly how to categorize him, but I want to ask this question. Is Denzel Ward about to become the highest paid cornerback in football? Well, he has that chance, and, and the reason is because the Browns are really uh, showing a commitment to their players that, that they want to keep and extend. And if they're willing to make Wyatt the highest paid guard in, in the NFL and then make Joel right after that, the highest paid, paid guard in the NFL, then, um, then I think that they probably would be willing to do that with Denzel Ward. Um, or at least he'll be up there. He will be up there because uh, it means something to show that that kind of faith in in your top picks. And as an organization, it's a good look to show that you nailed uh, your number four overall pick. And um, and I think that Denzel really established himself as as a lockdown corner this year. He added in some interceptions, which I think was vitally important. Um, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but I thought he finished really, really strong. I think he's well-deserving of the extension. I think he'll get it. And you have to give him market value, which is going to put him right up there near the top. Jalen Ramsey makes $20 million a year. That's the biggest number. Marlon Humphrey, 19 and a half. Marshawn Lattimore, 19.4. Doug, if Denzel Ward's people come to the Browns and say, hey, we want five years, $21 million a year. So what would that be, $105 million? Are you even blinking? No, because you can't lose him, right? And just because you're the highest paid doesn't mean you're the best but it means you're one of the best and he is one of the best. And if that's the going rate and it's his turn to be up, um, I mean, does anybody, I mean, he's, is he definitely like what for sure a top 10 corner in the league? Would any, is that, does that sound right to everybody? Like, is that much in dispute at this point and maybe higher? So that's the going rate. Like what, what would it look like? Like what would it look like for him not to be here? Like, I can't, can anyone even process that in your head? It would make no sense. So then you're just fighting over numbers a little bit, but I'm not blinking about it. It's like, if they say 21 a year, you say, how about 20 and a half a year? And then (laughs) you find somewhere in the middle, but I just don't think it's very complicated. Yeah. I mean, the Browns defense was good because of the past defense this year. And the past defense was good because of the depth and the fact that Denzel Ward stayed on the field. Um, he, you know, across the board, any way you want to measure, the Browns were great against number one receivers, and that's who Denzel Ward was usually matched up with. So uh, I don't know what the number is, but whatever you think a top 10 corner should be paid, that's, yes, you bring him back because you lose a guy like that, well, then you're messing with the good thing you got going, you know? Then it's it's Newsom and Greedy Williams, and behind them, is A.J. Green going to come in and play 
lights out again like that. I don't know if you're counting on that right now. So um, they're in a really good position. It's kind of like running back and what we thought maybe tight end would become with their depth. Uh, they have three, three guys who seem to be in a really good place right now. And I think you do what you can do to lock up Ward. You know, I thought he played his best ball this past year. Uh, I, I thought he really took his game to a new level. I think he made a commitment in the offseason that he wanted to be a much better cornerback. And I think he lived up to that. I mean, he, he, there were times where he was just dialed in and he was locked down and he was what you would expect from a number four overall pick. And there were times in the past where I, I didn't necessarily see it quite like that. Um, so uh, to see the way that he did that this year and to also add in some of the interceptions, and I think there are more uh, where that came from. Uh, I, I think he's well deserving of the 1920 or whatever he's going to get. How much do and, you get? Oh, go ahead, Doug. No, he played right. He missed the he missed the Steelers game in the middle of the year with the hamstring injury, and then he didn't play in the meaningless game at to the end of the year. But he played, and that I mean, how many conversations have we had about this podcast about Denzel Ward staying on the field? And he did. And so, like, if you had any questions about that, that got answered too. And then when he was on the field, you felt him, right? Not just with the 99 yard pick six against Joe Burrow, but like, I don't like he won that game for the Browns, right. Against the team that's down the Super Bowl. So he won that game, but you failed him all year. You failed him on third down. You failed him against the best players. And, and, and if you're going to spend $20 million a year on a guy, you want to feel him every week. And I thought that was no doubt about that this year. How We've talked so much about how, how much it helped miles and Jadavian to kind of have each other. And I know cornerback is different. You're sort of out there on an Island, but how much do you think it helps Denzel to kind of know that he's got a guy over there and Greg Newsom that I'm not going to say he can match him. Cause we're talking about Denzel Ward as a hundred million dollar guy and Greg Newsom has played one year, but how much do you think it helps Mary Kay that he knows he's got a, he's got like a partner over there now. He's got a guy that can cover, in that Bengals game, a guy who can cover Jamar Chase, who can take that number one receiver if Denzel wants to move around, whatever they want to do, there's flexibility there. Um, I mean, how much does it help to just have those two guys? I think it helps a ton. I think this it was such a good move to add Greg when they did uh, and to pair him with Denzel and to have those two guys in the back end. Uh, that's the dogs. That's the new uh, version of the Browns dogs there in the back end. Uh, I think Greg Newsom has pro bowl potential. And I think that, uh, he, you know, he has a chance to get there himself within the next couple of years. And I think one of the things that, uh, that I like best about Greg Newsom, and I think he's got tremendous, tremendous instincts. I mean, he just has a feel, uh, for the game and where to be and how to get there. Uh, but the, the thing that I noticed about him, or I like, I like the best about him is the fact that he can recover so quickly with that speed of his, and he can get there in a hurry. So if somebody, if there's some kind of a blown coverage or somebody makes a mistake or they're not in position or he's not in position, he can make up ground with that tremendous speed. And you need that. I mean, when they play, you know, Tyreek Hill or some of these speedy receivers, they're going to have to play uh, down the road. You know, he can hang with those guys. People are adding more and more speed onto the field in the NFL. I know that uh, a lot of teams are really, everybody's looking for that. Everybody's looking for that speed. And Greg uh, just naturally has that and you can't coach it. And I think it, it's going to come in big handy. And yeah, from a coaching standpoint, it's great <laughs> to have two guys <laughs> who are good like that. But I think for Denzel, uh, but like individually, I think it was a bigger deal who was playing behind him at safety and him maybe having more confidence and knowing, or maybe even better communication and knowing 
when they're in the zone, which they did, you know, more than anything that if he lets a guy run through, uh, they're not going to be running open. Now we, we saw those guys running open early in the season and they seem to adjust and deal with that, uh, which might've been as simple as Harrison not being out there as much. But um, I think that had a lot to do with the way corners on this team uh, performed as well. Okay. This is sort of a false choice I'm I'm throwing at you guys, but I I just want to have this discussion about maybe what the Browns want to have behind their top two corners. Of course, Greedy Williams is is in this mix as well as, as one of their extra outside corners, Uh, but they went out and they signed Troy Hill. And I think that was a really good signing. He was really good for them this year. Uh, Did a really nice job in the slot. We talked about that Bengals game. You know, he played really well in that game in particular you know, look, he's an older guy. This was never going to be a long-term signing. But one of the other guys that kind of emerged was MJ Stewart, who they Joe Woods kind of wanted to turn into a safety, but they can use him in the slot. I don't know if he can play outside like Hill can or not. But let, let's just say the Browns did have this choice between a player like MJ Stewart who can kind of play across the entire secondary or Troy Hill. If you had to choose between those two to keep, which one would you pick? Is Troy Hill a no-brainer, or is there a case to be made for MJ? And again, I fully acknowledge this is probably a false choice. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd get rid of Ronnie Harrison and keep both those two. Is that okay? Can that be that's, the answer? Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think Troy Hill's your guy. Um, he's one of the best run defenders on the team, and that's important because he's often close to closer to the line playing in the slot. He's uh, more in the line of fire when – when there's a running play. So, and we've seen him play at a much higher level than we've seen MJ Stewart play over a longer period of time. I mean, it's gotta be exciting for the Browns to have watched MJ Stewart and how he kind of came in towards the end and not just play one position, but you you saw him during games constantly going back and forth, you know, in, in the middle of drives, you know, going back and forth between slot and safety. And uh, that's not nothing. So, um, yeah, I'm with Doug. If you can keep both of them, that's great. But I think Troy Hill's your he's your slot guy going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I really, really liked what what MJ Stewart did down the stretch. He um, he he did a really nice job, and he he comes at a at a pretty reasonable price. And the good thing about these two guys is that you can keep them both. Um, but I suppose if you were going to force me to choose between the two. It's, it's tough. That's a tough choice because MJ's younger and, you know, therefore he might have a little bit more upside long-term potential for you. And I think maybe they're just starting to scratch the surface with some of the things that he can do. He's in his prime. Uh, but I really, really like Troy Hill a lot too. I mean, he is just a, a savvy, experienced cornerback uh, that knows how to play the game and knows how to play his position really, really well. So I wouldn't want to, I would want both of them back if, in a perfect world, but just from an age standpoint, I, I might almost, uh, I might almost have to go with MJ there. Ooh, there we go. Doug, do the Browns have too many good players in their secondary? Oh, thank <laughs> you for saying that. Um, I mean, I do think that the idea to me of that MJ Stewart's your third safety instead of Ronnie Harrison does make or, or Richard LeCount. That I, but I think like you were saying, like, I think it's good that MJ Stewart is versatile, but if you said like, okay, well, we have our three outside corners, then we have Troy Hill as sort of our slot corner. So as long as they're healthy, we're okay there, but Ronnie Harrison's not back and MJ Stewart's the third safety. 
and he's going to be very involved. Again, this is when you're good, right? The Browns have planned and they've planned and they've planned. And so Denzel Ward was a first round pick and Greedy Williams was a second round pick and Greg Newsom was a first round, first round pick and Grant Delpit was a second round pick and John Johnson was a targeted free agent. And then, but every now and then you've got to stumble into somebody. So MJ Stewart was a second round pick when he came out by the Bucks. Then they got waved and like, here, here he is. And it's like, hey, yeah, this guy's a pretty good player. So you need a little luck in the course of this. And I'm always wary of small sample size. And I was on MJ Stewart was my Dearness Johnson of the defense for a while, but then he played like every snap, like at the end of the year <laughs> for the last three games and was like quite good. And it was like, okay, like, why would you let that go right now? So I think you are a good team. If MJ Stewart is on your team, but isn't really a starter, but is right there if you need him as soon as something goes wrong. If he's your best backup guy in the secondary, man, I think you have a pretty good secondary. So I want Troy Hill as a starter, but I don't want to let MJ Stewart get away because I think they lucked into him and he's a good football player. But you have to pick one. (laughs) I picked, I, I am not picking Ronnie Harrison. So that's, I, I stand by that decision, but again, I do think to Scott, I think Troy Hill, I think they missed Troy Hill when Troy Hill was out, even though MJ Stewart did fill in pretty well. I mean, I just, I think Troy Hill is like a, like a foundational piece of this defense almost right now. And they really found something there too. So given those two, I'd have to keep Troy Hill. So now let me throw this scenario at you. So what if the Browns decided they were going to take this approach? How would you feel about it? So we obviously have Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward as the outside corners, but when the Browns needed to this season, when they had all most of their outside guys healthy, they played Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom on the outside. And then when it was time to go to bring in your slot package, here came Greedy Williams to play outside and Greg Newsom at nickel. They've been cross-training Greg Newsom to be able to do that. What if that was their plan for that position? next season or do they just need to say look Greg Newsom's our starting outside corner I'm not going to mess with it unless we have to where Greg Newsom is basically your starting outside corner but he's also your your nickel that makes sense what I'm saying I think it's great that they have Greg Newsom to be able to play in the nickel and if they ended up uh doing something like that uh where where that was the the regular plan it seems to work and it works really well you're getting three of your best football players onto the field in that situation. Uh, So I think it's a perfectly fine plan, but knowing that you can have Troy Hill at the price that you can have him at and have him be your designated nickel to play that role uh, and have the other guys available to start for you in the event that you have injuries, because you're going to probably have injuries or you're going to have COVID or you're going to have something. So I like the idea that you can preserve them uh, for the outside roles when you need them and still have Troy Hill there. So I, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't give up on Troy just because that's supposed to be your future plan. If you like, if you were desperate for money, it's like, we got it. We got to find money somewhere. Cause we got to, we got to keep clowny. And he's asking for this and like, and that's where you're starting to do some stuff. But Troy Hill, like his cap hits, not even 4 million for this year. Like it seems so reasonable. Why do you keep insisting on getting rid of Troy Hill? Dan's like, <laughs> what if you had to get picked between Troy Hill and Miles Garrett? Which one would you pick? And we're going to, we're riding up. We're accidentally running Troy Hill out of town. We want him here. <laughs> I, I like Troy Hill. I do. This is just a really boring position because it's so stable and they have so many, they have too many good guys there, Doug. So I've got to come up with something. 
Well, you know what, you know what, Dan and everybody, um, in talking to a couple of the guys at the end of last season, uh, they are aiming to be the best secondary in the NFL. That's what they want to be. So what do you guys think? I mean, is, are they good enough to earn that role this next year in 2022? Can they be the number one secondary in the NFL? I think it depends on that second safety position. If they, I mean, this, the thing is the safety position has the potential to be like, whoa, incredible, right? If John Johnson is John Johnson and then Grant Delpit makes a leap. Like now you're looking, oh man, this safety position is unbelievable. I'm pretty confident in the corners as long as they both stay healthy. And Denzel did that this year. Greg Newsome in and out of the lineup a little bit, but that, that's okay. So yeah, I, I think the potential is there. And Troy Hill is probably a big, a big part of that, having a really solid slot guy in there. Uh, yeah, I think they have the potential to put themselves in that discussion. I mean, they were PFF's top-rated coverage team this season. So um, they're not too far from the top. They're ninth in EPA per target, but that includes, like, linebackers and everybody. So, I mean, they're already really good. And like I said, I think they were the bigger part of why this defense was good this past season. I think more so than being the best, I think, is making sure they at least duplicate what happened this past season. And secondary is a big group, right? I mean, we're talking about like five positions here, basically. But again, the idea that it's two first rounders, two second rounders, and two very targeted veteran free agent signings who are like your top six guys. Can you imagine like if their receiver core was that? And it'd be like, okay, like it, sh- it better be or it better be close to the best secondary of the NFL because they've invested here. They've invested a lot of draft capital and money at this. And it looks like Mary Kay, right? You're saying like it, it feels like it worked. So I, I, like, if that's what we're talking about, I just don't think like we shouldn't be surprised by this because when you take Denzel Ward at number four in the draft, this is what you're hoping for. And it worked. And when you take Greg Newsom, number one, like it worked. So it's just weird. Again, I think people get more used to it. They didn't make the playoffs. People are sad, but this was like a plan that worked. And so I, I don't think it is crazy to talk that way like at all. And, you know, the, the one thing that I think they need to do to take it to the next level and really become known for that uh, is to make more of those game-changing plays that we're talking about, punch the ball out more, uh, you know, blitz a little bit more, get some more sacks, and definitely get some more interceptions. Uh, they, they started to uh, get some a little bit more down the stretch, but uh, getting those takeaways – will put them on the map in terms of a secondary. You want to be feared. You want to be afraid to throw that football, you know, over the middle or whatever the case may be. So I think that, that these guys now need to establish themselves as, I mean, remember, you know, back, you know, when you would play Ed Reed or Troy Palomalo, I mean, you were, you were afraid to throw the ball in certain spots. So they need to become that. And I think that it would be, you know, really nice if one guy could get hot with interceptions and end up with like, seven or eight in a season. Um, so they need something like that. And Troy Hill, I got to say one more thing about Troy Hill. He's one of the best quotes on the team, Dan. So we can't let him go. <laughs> I, I like Troy Hill. All right. I like Troy Hill. Let's just, let me just, let me just put my, plant my flag on that side of the fence. I like Troy Hill. Troy, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm not trying to get rid of you. I'm just asking questions. That's all. <laughs> By the way, we talk about this all the time, right? When we talk about Baker Mayfield. 
well, you got to be able to beat Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and maybe Deshaun Watson and you know, what all these guys. Well, if you're not going to have a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with them, you better at least be able to cover. Because what, whatever the Bengals did in the second half against the Chiefs, they made Patrick Mahomes look like a high school quarterback. And, you know, you're not going to do that every time you play him, but you've got to have the ability to do something in the secondary when you're going against these guys. Yeah, I think that uh, just looking back at that game, uh, the Browns' victory, the first victory over the Bengals, I think that showed right there the absolute importance of having that kind of a secondary in today's NFL and in today's AFC North, which could get significantly even better uh, next year, depending on what happens in Pittsburgh and uh, with the Ravens getting healthy. So it's so vitally important to have those guys. But if you look at that game, the Browns matched up pretty darn well. And I agree. Uh, Doug said it right from the start that that 99 yard pick six basically, you know, took them out of their game. And I think it did. Uh, it just kind of rattled them. Now they, they learned to overcome that as the season went along and they decided we're not letting that happen again. You take Jamar chase away from us. We're, you know, we're, we're not going to freak out again and, and we're going to spread the ball around to our other excellent receivers. But I still think that the Browns have what it takes uh, to, to go in there and try to solve the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase issue. Yeah, that sounds like a series. How close are the Browns to the Bengals? Somebody mm. should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for everyone. Uh, we, we're going to be talking about that on the podcast. There's going to be some posts going up about that too, uh, coming up here very shortly. So I think that's everything. Do we forget anything? I, I guess I'll ask this. Do you guys all expect it to be pretty quiet? as far as free agency and the draft go. I mean, maybe something small here or there, you know, they're not going to go after JC Jackson or somebody like that. Uh, maybe a late round pick if the, if the right guy is there. Is this a position that you, you kind of have at the bottom of your list as far as needs this off season? I was going to say, yeah. Um, they, I mean, they have to get, they have to do something with safety. Obviously they need to re-sign somebody or bring in somebody um, or draft somebody, but uh, yeah, that's not a position that you're looking at as changes need to be made or talent level needs to be upgraded. I mean, they have plenty of those positions elsewhere. I was going to say the, the, even though they have a lot of really amazing pieces, if an opportunity presented itself, uh, to add another star player on the back end. I, I think that they would explore it uh, just because of the way the game is played right now. And I think we even heard uh, Paul D. Podesta on, on Cleveland Browns Daily say that, you know, it's not only about finding a way to have that explosive passing game, but stopping that explosive passing game. So if you could get your hands on in the draft, or in free agency, uh, someone that can help the cause, you're, sh- you're certainly not going to overlook the chance to add another amazing defensive back to this football team. Can we officially decide whether we think Ronnie Harrison is back or not? I, I think, think we no. all are saying no. Okay. Right? I'm Why not? That. Scott, Scott gave a little shrug there. I don't know. I mean, why not? I mean, I, I'm not going to write him off just because he had a rough year this year. Um, he did play well the year before, just like, you know, MJ Stewart was, was 
pretty bad in the slot in 2020. Um, certainly nowhere near the level he was at this past season. So I don't know. I think you can have a bad year and come back from it. I don't, again, he's not making a ton of money. So. Yeah. He's really, he only made like 2 million bucks last year and he had a, like a bad year. Like if they could get him for, could they get him for two years for three and a half million or something? And be like, I don't know what the heck mm-hmm. this guy's played well for us at times. And then, but then you have MJ Stewart as a backup and it's like, well, we're going to have Ronnie Harrison, but he's not going to play starter snaps. Maybe. I don't know. All right, Scott, fine. Scott's Scott is Dan <laughs> is trying to get rid of Troy Hill and Scott is trying to save Ronnie Harrison. That's the official <laughs> vibe of this podcast. I, I yeah, do I think, think I, I do think there is aside from, how he played on the field. I do think there would have to be some concerns about the fact that he went out in Kansas city and got himself kicked out of the game for pushing an assistant coach. There was some sort of weird issue in the middle of the season where he wasn't out at practice. And then when we all left, he showed up and then he was kind of suspended for that old college. Like you're not going to start suspension in the next game. There was something a little off last year, kind of outside of performance issues. So I don't, I don't know if that plays a factor in all of this too. Well, penalties too, right? I mean, he, there were yeah. some times uh, during games where uh, he had some sort of foolish penalties that, uh, you know, that you just can't really be having. So, um, so I do think that all of those things will factor in, but once again, at the right price, bring them on, you know, I mean, this, we're not talking about $15 million a year. So he, you know, he can be a piece for you for sure at the right price. And, and Grant Delpit has his job now. So I don't think he would be brought back in the same role that he started this past season in any ways. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the thing with the secondary. We've sort of reached the point where it's like, you've got your guys, like, you know, you drafted Denzel number four, you drafted Greg Newsom 26, you drafted Grant Delpit in the second round. You did draft. We haven't talked about him a lot because we just don't know what he has, but you did draft Richard LeCount. And I think last year on one pod, we kind of called him Ronnie Harrison insurance. At some point you got to just put the guys out there that you got, like that you have invested really important assets in. Um, so, and then that just might leave Ronnie Harrison who you traded a fifth round pick for when you were kind of in a pinch that might just sort of leave him out. I, I did think, I mean, Richard LeCount was a guy that, you know, I, I was wondering a year ago is like he, the Donovan people's Jones of the defense kind of thing that he was sort of a, a talented um, recruit went to a big time college, maybe didn't quite have the career he expected for various reasons, fell to later in the draft. And then like, I mean, the main, what Richard LeCount's main highlight from this year is like standing in the end zone, eight <laughs> yards from the guy he's supposed to cover against green Bay being like, that was your guy. But it was like, well, should he have been in that situation against Aaron Rodgers as a rookie when he had barely played? I get it. But you know, that's that guy. I think that that's exactly who you should be taking in later rounds. So maybe he still winds up popping, but um, I don't know that we saw a ton to make us think that in year one. Yeah. He's, he's the reason that when I look at late round draft picks, I'm looking for five star sec guys. <laughs> that seems to be where yeah. the Browns like to go with a lot of these picks. Okay. Uh, I think that's everything. I miss anything on the defensive backs. I think we covered it. Probably the, the most confident position, as I mentioned, our football insider subscribers. It has not stopped. They're still sitting there in that eight, nine range as they're, uh, they're voting here in real time about their confidence level in this 
position. Okay, so that'll do it for our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash browse the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. And Mary Kay, Scott, and Doug, I'll talk to you all later. <laughs>